Well, good evening. Welcome back to Long Hill Baptist Church. We're going to start with number 461, Stepping in the Light. We'll sing all four verses of 461, Stepping in the Light. Trying to walk in the steps of the Savior, trying to follow our Savior and King. Shaping our lives by his blessed example. Happy, how happy the songs that we bring. How beautiful to walk. Steps of the Savior, stepping in the light. Stepping in the light. How beautiful to walk. Steps of the Savior, led in paths of light. Pressing more closely to him who is leading when we are tempted to turn from the way. Trusting the arm that is strong to defend us. Happy, how happy our praises each day. How beautiful to walk. Steps of the Savior, stepping in the light. Stepping in the light. How beautiful to walk in the steps of the Savior, led in paths of light. Walking in footsteps of gentle forbearance, footsteps of faithfulness, mercy, and love. Looking to Him for the grace freely promised, happy, how happy our journey above. How beautiful to walk in the steps of the Savior, stepping in the light. Stepping in the light, how beautiful to walk in the steps of the Savior, led in paths of light. And the last, trying to walk in the steps of the Savior, upward still upward will follow our guide. When we shall see him, the King in his beauty, happy, how happy our place at his side. How beautiful to walk in the steps of the Savior, stepping in the light, stepping in the light. How beautiful to walk in the steps of the Savior, led in paths of light. All right, good evening. Welcome to the evening worship service here at Long Hill Baptist Church in Trumbull, Connecticut. I want to thank you if you were able to be here this morning. We had a, a good group with some folks who were able to be back for the first time uh, since we closed. We praise God for that, and uh, it was a blessing. It was a blessing. Uh, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, we hope it will be a blessing to you and to the Lord both. We praise God for his light, the light that we know uh, from his word in Christ. And Lord, I just want to take a moment and stop and, and praise you and thank you for that light. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, tonight for your words. They lighten our path and shine a light on what is right and what is wrong. Lord, your word has shown us, revealed to us that you are and who you are and what you are like. Lord, they've shown us that um, we're sinners who need a Savior. We've all come short of your glory. We've all sinned against you. Lord, your words have revealed to us the way of salvation, uh, a humble, repentant faith in Christ and him alone. Lord, I thank you tonight for the certainty that Christ is the way, the only way, the truth, and the life. I thank you that we can come to you in and through Christ. And I thank you tonight that... 
Lord, when we come to Christ, we're forgiven. We're saved from hell and we're born into your family and your promises become promises to us. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. I pray tonight as we sing together and worship together that, uh, Lord, we'd be built up. Our faith would be um, encouraged tonight. I pray that we'd be encouraged once again to praise you tonight as we look into your word. And Lord, as we think back on the, the things that we've seen, your command to praise you and the many reasons that you've given us in your word, I pray that we'd be encouraged tonight to sing out praises to you for your honor and glory wherever we are tonight. Lord, knowing that you'll be pleased by that. Father, I love you. I thank you. I pray that you'll work here in this message, uh, in this service. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's go to number 376, our next hymn. It'll be a shelter in the time of storm. We'll sing all four verses of a shelter in the time of storm. The Lord's our rock, in Him we hide, a shelter in the time of storm. Secure whatever ill betide, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is the rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is the rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. A shade by day, defense by night, a shelter in the time of storm. No fears alarm, no foes affright, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is the rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is the rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. The raging storms may round us beat, a shelter in the time of storm. We'll never leave our safe retreat, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is the rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Jesus is the rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. And the last, O oh, rock divine, O oh, refuge dear, a shelter in the time of storm. Be thou our helper ever near, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is the rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is the rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. Well, he is indeed a shelter in the time of storm. Uh, no doubt these are stormy times. And I trust tonight that you have found the Lord to be uh, a faithful shelter in a time of a lot of storms coming all at the same time. It's, it's a stormy time in history, no doubt. 
Of course, these are the, the last days. They, they have been <laughs> since the first century. Uh, we won't be surprised if the Lord returns soon, though. We will we'll not be surprised. Uh, listen, don't, don't forget tonight. Don't, don't dread that. Uh, pray for that. Desire that. Uh, things will be fixed by the Lord uh, when he returns. Uh, tonight, please take your Bible. I want to ask you to turn uh, to two places. Keep a finger in two places tonight. Uh, Psalm 148 is our text tonight, Psalm 148, but I want to ask you to be flipping back and forth just a little bit between there and Genesis 1, so that's not, that's not too hard, of course. Uh, so we'll, we'll look at Psalm 148, but we'll flip back and see some uh, of the creation account in Genesis 1 as well. Now, just to uh, put this in context, quick review, Last Sunday evening, we examined Psalm 147. We're making our way through the Psalms, and of course, you know by now, this passage, this portion of the book of Psalm, uh, deals with praise, the Lord's command, his desire and command that we praise him, and uh, the reasons that he reveals to us uh, to do that. His command would be good enough for me, and I trust for you, but he's given us many reasons uh, in these psalms that he, that he is so worthy of praise. Last Sunday night in uh, the last chapter, Psalm 147, the, the last psalm, uh, we recognized that that was really a three stanza hymn of praise. Uh, the structure was pretty much exactly, or at least very similar, uh, to a three stanza, uh, a three verse hymn that, that we might find in our hymnal, uh, at least in the, the structure of the theme. And so there we observe the Lord desired, uh, desires, he desired and still does desire, uh, to be praised by his people. And we saw that his praiseworthiness, our praise of him, should be encouraged by his praiseworthiness um, as seen in both his creation or nature, um, as well as in his care or nurture, if you prefer, of his people. Now, Psalm 148 tonight builds on that. Uh, in Psalm 148, the text for tonight, we see the Lord desires that all of his creation uh, exist, really, to bring him praise and to glorify him. Uh, and we'll see that made very clear tonight. The Lord um, commands, even he poetically commands, even the um, unliving aspects uh, or elements of his creation, the mountains, the hills, the trees, uh, to praise him. Now, they can't praise him with mouths like we praise him, but we'll understand tonight that the Lord has created all things in large part for his praise and glory. We looked at that last week. And the fact that his creation exists, it, it does glorify him. It, it does praise him in that it brings glory to him. Uh, so tonight we'll, we'll see that here in Psalm 148, uh, a two-verse hymn of praise. Now, we'll see the Lord begin, and really the, the two verses are, uh, Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. And he'll, he'll command the angels together with the various um, inanimate parts of heaven to bring him praise. And then in the second verse or the second stanza, uh, we'll see again, Praise ye the Lord. Uh, from the earth, and then everything below the heavens on the earth is commanded to give praise to God as well. So first stanza, everything from the heavens, uh, praise the Lord. Everything below the heavens, uh, here upon the earth, uh, praise the Lord. God desires that everything bring him praise 
uh, and him glory. Brother Ray, what a privilege we have to be part of fulfilling that part of the Lord's desire. I'm going to pray. We'll jump in. We'll read through the, the psalm. It's just 14 verses tonight. And we'll jump right back here and, and give you an outline. That, that'll be a help to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this psalm. Uh, Lord, I marvel at the beauty of your poetry, the, the majesty of it all, and the beauty of it all. Lord, I appreciate the structure and um, all that you have done to reveal yourself in your words, uh, in the beauty with which you structure them, in, in just the wonder of it all. Lord, the fact that you've been able to work through men uh, to capture down your words, to inscripturate them, and to then preserve them supernaturally uh, for us hundreds and even thousands of years later. Lord, thank you. Thank you. We, we need this. We need tonight to be encouraged once again uh, to be in the business of praising you. And so thank you, Father. Uh, thank you for the encouragement that we find here tonight. Lord, help me now. Help me to bring these words as you would have them to brought, be brought tonight. I pray that you help each listener to be an, an active listener, an intent listener, to uh, have a heart to uh, eat up these words, to be fed by you tonight, and to be strengthened and encouraged by you tonight through your words. Lord, work here for your glory, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 148, we'll read the, the psalm uh, beginning in verse 1 here is the command, Praise ye the Lord, hallelujah, in the Hebrew. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. So this, this marks off the beginning of the first verse. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Uh, praise him in the heights, a parallel uh, idea there. Verse 2, praise ye him, all his angels. Uh, praise ye him, all his hosts. Hosts refer to companies of angels. Praise ye him, verse 3, uh, sun and moon. Praise ye him, all ye stars of light. Praise ye, praise him, verse 4, praise him, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Verse 5, let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. They were created. Uh, he hath also, verse 6, established, established them forever and ever. It made a decree which shall not pass. God is both the creator of all things and the sustainer of all things. Uh, verse 7 begins the second stanza in the hymn. Uh, Praise the Lord from the earth. So it was from the heaven, now it's below the heaven, from the earth. Uh, ye dragons uh, in all the deeps, the deep oceans in view there. Verse 8, fire and hail, snow and vapor, stormy wind, fulfilling his word. Mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars. Beasts, verse 10, and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, birds. Verse 11, kings, we get to people now, the people part, the capstone of his creation. Kings of the earth and all people, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children. Verse 13, let them praise the name of the Lord. Uh, reasons now, for his name alone is excellent. His name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heaven. His glory is greater than his creation. It's far above that. Verse 14, he also exalteth, he blesses, he strengthens, he exalteth the horn of his people 
and the praise of all his saints, even of the children of Israel, a people near unto him. And we finish where we began, praise ye the Lord. I'm going to pray again real fast. Father, thank you. Lord, thank you for this wonderful, wonderful psalm, a two-stanza hymn of praise. Lord, you teach us here and you encourage us here, and I thank you tonight for both, uh, for both of those uh, things that are accomplished in this psalm. I thank you, Lord, for giving it and preserving it uh, so that we could be built up in your words tonight in our faith and your desire to be praised. Uh, Lord, thank you for the encouragement that we receive here. Help us now. Help us to get this, to get it down, uh, to get it into our hearts and minds. Lord, we ask you to help us yield to you tonight. Uh, as we do, I pray that you uh, fill us uh, and strengthen us and help us, help us to be people filled, uh, just filled with praise. Lord, I love you. Thank you and praise you in Jesus' name, amen. So number one, uh, we'll give you two major points tonight. Uh, the first one, Lord is to be praised from the heavens. Uh, he desires to be praised from the heavens. So kind of from the heavens down uh, and then from the earth up. Uh, so first, first, uh, first point, the Lord is to be praised from the heavens. See it again in verse one, praise you the Lord, praise you the Lord from the heavens. Uh, praise him in the heights, uh, in the heights. So as, as you look at the structure of each verse or stanza here, there's a command, praise, uh, and then there's the who is to praise, and then that's followed by the why, uh, why you should do that. And, you know, it builds beyond just because God said, God said, as, as I'm fond of saying lately, it seems, that's good enough for me, uh, but God is good enough to give me more than that. Uh, so we see the who first and, and then the why. And there, in both verses, there's a few who's uh, and a few why's. So uh, first of all, under number one, uh, who's, to be, who's to praise the Lord uh, from the heavens? Well, first we see here the angels. Uh, the angels are to be in the business of praising God. We know they have various ministry. They're messengers, and the word angel really literally means messenger, and we've seen them fulfill that role in scripture. We see them in the business of praising God in scripture. Uh, we see their various ministries in scripture. Here they're called, they're commanded by God to praise him. Verse two, praise ye him, all his angels. All of the angels are commanded uh, to praise him. Is this directed at both the elect and the fallen angels? Well, probably is, uh, but we know the ones that did not rebel against the Lord with Satan. Uh, the elect angels uh, are still obedient to him, uh, and so they happily, I'm sure they happily receive uh, this command from their Lord, their creator, praise ye him, uh, all his angels. And the poetic structure that we see so often in the Psalms is the Lord will say it one way and then he'll repeat it slightly differently. That's a, a very common poetic construct that we see here uh, in the Psalms, and it helps us. Uh, God knows that we can be a little thick sometimes. Uh, I'm talking about me, not you. Uh, and so he'll say it one way and he'll say it another way. He'll, he'll, he'll build up our understanding through this uh, parallel construction here. Praise ye him all his angels. Praise ye him all his hosts. So hosts is a word that refers uh, literally to armies. Uh, but it, it has the idea in context of groups of angels, the host of angels. And what you see here that uh, the, the psalmist is commanding 
uh, all of the angels. So it's direct ye, praise ye, all of them. And it, but then it's, in the next phrase, it says all his angels. All his, exactly, why are they his angels? Why are the angels of God who are commanded to praise God, why are they called his angels? Well, I'm going to answer that. Zach's not Mike's, but I'm, I'm going to answer that for him. Well, he created them. Uh, you create something, you make it, it's yours, right? Uh, if you build something, it's yours. If you create something, it's yours. Uh, the creation was created by God for him. It is his. It belongs to him. He made it, and his creation includes the angels. Get a cross-reference down. We saw this recently in Sunday school. Uh, Colossians 1 and verse 16. For by him were all things created that are in the heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things uh, were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. Now, you remember tonight, please, that that verse from Colossians refers specifically uh, to Christ, God the Son. Uh, he's not a created being. He wasn't brought into existence when he came to earth as a man. Uh, he, was, he is the creator of all things. He always has been. He is, and he always will be. He created uh, this, this uh, earth upon which we live. He created us uh, for him. For him and by him were all things created. So the angels, they're commanded of God to be in the business of praising God. Uh, what else in the heavens is to praise God? Well, the sun, moon, and the stars. See verse 3. Praise ye, all of you, all of you suns and moons and stars. Uh, praise ye him, sun and moon. Praise him, all ye stars of light. Now, Zach, you're looking at that. You're trying to picture the moon with a mouth and the sun with a mouth so that they can speak out praise to God. And of course, we understand tonight that they, they can't literally uh, speak out praise to the Lord. But we understand tonight from Scripture that the Lord has created them uh, in part, uh, in large part, to, uh, to accrue praise to himself. I was sharing this morning with uh, two of our men that I, I read recently. Uh, maybe I misunderstood this man. And I, I'm not sure, but I was reading uh, a book that he wrote about Scripture. And uh, at one point in the book, I understood him to write that if there isn't life somewhere else beyond earth, the vastness of creation really doesn't have any purpose. It really doesn't make any sense unless there's life somewhere else uh, where people can be in the business of praising God. And boy, I rejected that the minute I read it. I, you know, I want to circle it. I want to cut it out of that book because I don't think that's true at all. Uh, that man's entitled to his opinion, but biblically, I don't think that's true at all. The Bible says in, in Psalm 19 and verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. When you look up in the sky on a starry night and, and you see uh, the moon, maybe it's a bright moonlit light, and you look upon the moon and you think, wow, that's an amazing, it's an amazing uh, thing to see, uh, the glory of the moon, and you see the stars and uh, we've been able, recently, we were able to see, what was it, Venus? Uh, Venus looking out toward the, the upper side of the church in, in the early evening sky, and it shone so brightly, and it was just beautiful and uh, miraculous to, to look upon. Uh, the creation, all of the creation, testifies to the power and to the glory and praiseworthiness of God. I doubt very much that there's living beings anywhere else 
uh, in, in creation other than uh, here on earth uh, and there in heaven, uh, and maybe as the angels uh, travel uh, bet between the two, uh, there will be living beings and, and that the angels uh, seem to do that biblically. But beyond that, I'd be very surprised, and I'm okay with that. The beauty of all of the creation, you know, as we've had uh, telescopes, uh, larger Earth-based telescopes, and then the orbiting Hubble telescope, uh, and as we've sent probes uh, deep into our solar system and beyond, uh, Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 have now moved out of our solar system beyond it. We've captured up-close pictures of the planets uh, in our solar system. Uh, and the beauty of them, the enormity of them, uh, and the beauty of them, it's breathtaking. It's breathtaking. And that, 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 I understand Jupiter and Saturn, they're gaseous planets. No one lives there. No one's ever going to live there. But the beauty and enormity of those planets absolutely does glorify God. It shows us the power of our creator. Uh, the heavens do indeed declare the glory of God, and the firmament does indeed showeth uh, his handiwork. And so Psalm, one, uh, Psalm 19 and, and verse 1 uh, brings that out. Uh, look at verse uh, 4. Uh, we see here, well, also the third thing, the third thing from the heavens, uh, the heavens of heavens and the waters above. Uh, verse 4 says, praise, poetically says, praise him, ye heavens of heavens and ye waters above. Uh, that be above the heavens. Um, so we understand there's three heavens. There's the, there's the um, atmosphere where the birds fly. There's the second heaven where the sun, moon, and stars are. And there's the third heaven where the throne room of God is. And that's what we think of heaven, but uh, the Bible clearly shows us three heavens. Uh, the heaven of heavens, uh, I'm not sure, to be honest, which of those heavens this verse uh, refers to. It does uh, it could refer to the, the heaven here uh, where, where the birds fly. Uh, it does, the structure of the psalm may be kind of coming down from uh, the third heaven to the second heaven to the first heaven, and then that prepares us for the second stanza or the second verse where the Lord commands us to praise him from the earth. So I think that idea, that structural idea implies that uh, this, this heaven of heavens may refer to uh, the atmosphere of, of our earth where the birds fly. Uh, in any event, the Lord is praising this part of, uh, commanding uh, poetically this part of his creation uh, to bring him glory, and of course it does. He refers also to the waters uh, that be above the heavens, and uh, this might refer to the, bound, the boundary of creation, uh, the crystal sea, uh, perhaps, uh, where I believe the, the third heaven exists at the very boundary of a finite creation. Uh, I believe the Bible very clearly teaches a finite creation with a third heaven at the boundary of that place. And of course, that would make heaven a physical place. That makes sense when you remember that Christ uh, died and was buried and rose again bodily, not just spiritually. He rose again bodily and he ascended into heaven bodily. Uh, so it'd be difficult to understand how uh, the physically risen Savior could ascend to a place that is not a physical place. Uh, God could do that if he chose to, don't get me wrong, but I think it's consistent with the idea of heaven being a physical place at the boundary of his uh, creation. In any event, uh, what I know for sure is that the Lord here is poetically commanding all of his creation 
uh, to praise him, to bring him honor and glory. And it does. Uh, it does because he has commanded that. Look at pictures of the planets. They do bring him glory. Uh, they testify to who he is uh, and what he's like. He is the creator of all of these things. And that's the why part of this verse. Why is the Lord to be praised uh, from the heavens? That's the why. So we've seen the, the who, the what parts of, of the heavens, and now the why. Well, the why, the, the main why here is that he is the creator of all of these things. He made them. Uh, he's to be praised by them. Verse 5 says, let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. Turn back to Genesis 1, please. It's good to go back there. Uh, I've taught all the way through Genesis at least two times, maybe three times, at least two times. Um, it's important. It's important to uh, regularly remind ourselves of the creation account. We were not brought into being through a godless evolutionary process. Rather, the Bible reveals that God spoke creation into existence and all forms of life were created in their final form um, as God spoke them into existence on the individual six days of, of creation. Now, understand that uh, there has been some natural selection and some intentional breeding that amplifies characteristics within species. Uh, a bear in Alaska where there's snow naturally will tend to be more white because that conveys a survival advantage. You can breed different uh, breeds of dogs uh, through an intentional breeding program that amplifies different traits, larger dog, smaller dog, stronger dog, what have you. Uh, that's, that's not evolution. That's either a natural process that conveys a survival advantage or the intentional effort of man. Uh, God created everything that is in six literal days. You're here in Genesis 1. Here's uh, beginning in verse 14. The Bible says, God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. He spoke and he said, let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. So they have purpose. Uh, verse 15, he said, let them, uh, let them be for lights in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth. Uh, and it was so. Of course it was so. God said, let it be so. Verse 16, God made two great lights. The greater light, that's the sun, to rule the day. Don't look at that. And the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. All of them. All of them. Verse 17, and God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and, and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. Yeah, he made his entire creation to be good. Only after man rebelled against God uh, was cre his creation uh, marred. Uh, verse 19, in the evening and the morning were the fourth day. God did that. God did that. He set the sun and the moon and the stars in place within a 24-hour period on the fourth day of the six-day creation week, understand he rested on the seventh day. Only God could do that. Only God could do that. By the way, even if you want to um, hold on to a, a natural process of creation, uh, a natural process of evolution that ultimately yielded man, 
you have a very serious philosophical problem. You have no explanation for how matter came into existence that could eventually evolve into man. That's a problem that your system has no answer for. Uh, there is no answer uh, outside of scripture. Only scripture can provide an answer. God barad, he, he created everything, that's the Hebrew word, out of nothing. He spoke matter into existence that did not previously exist. And he did that on, in, within specific days, and it was good. He did it perfectly. Uh, he's the creator of all things, and therefore he desires that all things would uh, accrue praise to him. Uh, and certainly, certainly he is uh, worth that. He deserves that, is what I mean to say. Uh, verse 6, very quickly, God is not only the creator of all things, but he's the sustainer of all things. There's parallel here. God has given his words by inspiration, and he's preserved his words. He's kept them uh, supernaturally uh, through a process of preservation, and we still have them today. Uh, similarly, God spoke creation into existence, and he has supernaturally maintained creation over time. Now, understand there's, there's laws of physics and thermodynamics, and uh, it would seem that the uh, there's uh, certain indications that creation is winding down, um, and, and that would seem to be the case. I understand that. Uh, that's consistent with the idea that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Meanwhile, God is sustaining that part of his creation that he chooses to sustain for his purposes. Uh, we don't fly off of the earth uh, into the vast expanse of the second heaven, uh, because God is, is sustaining his creation in an orderly way that makes it possible, that, that keeps everything just fine-tuned, temperature and gravity and uh, all the various processes of nature. God is keeping them, actively maintaining them and keeping them, maintaining them for his purposes, uh, for us and for his honor and glory. So we see here all of creation. God intends it to praise him. He commands it poetically to praise him um, from the heavens, in the heavens. The second stanza now, uh, so it looks down from the heavens toward the earth, and now we look up from uh, the earth toward the heavens in verse 2. Number 2, uh, the Lord is to be praised from the earth. He's to be praised from the earth. Everything on this planet exists in large part to bring praise, honor, and glory uh, to the Lord. That most certainly includes us. Uh, the Lord here will move through certain aspects of his creation uh, and then arrive at us. And, you know, that's consistent with how he, he created us. Uh, he, he basically created everything. He prepared a place for us. He set everything else in place, and then he created man, the capstone of his creation. We'll see verse 7. Praise the Lord from the earth. Everything upon the earth is to be in the business of praising the Lord. Uh, he says, dragons uh, and all the deep. Uh, ye dragons, verse 7, ye dragons uh, and all the deep. Now, I don't know for sure, but I suspect... Uh, in, so all the deep would, would refer to the oceans, right? The, the deep of the oceans. Uh, and so it would seem that there's some kind of uh, ocean creature in view here. Uh, I wonder, I can't say for sure, but I wonder uh, if the dragon here, who seems to be in, in the deep, in the ocean, 
uh, isn't the Leviathan uh, that uh, God spoke to Job of in, and apparently was familiar to Job when he lived uh, in the book of Job. Uh, Genesis 1 and verse 21 says, God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, not, not through evolution, but through a reproductive process, uh, and every wing follow after his kind, uh, and God saw that it was good. Uh, write down another reference, please. Psalm 104 and verse 24. Psalm 104 and verse 24 says, O Lord, how manifold uh, are thy works in wisdom, Hast thou made them all? The earth is full of thy riches. So is this great and wide sea, wherein are great things creeping innumerable, both small and great beasts. There go the ships. There is that Leviathan, whom thou hast made to play therein. You know, there were dinosaurs, and they existed at the same time that man existed. Uh, Bible doesn't provide any other possibility. Job was familiar, uh, evidently, with both uh, dinosaurs that lived on land and dinosaurs that lived on water. Now, you remember that Job was a man who was, he was a mature uh, man of God and greatly blessed of God, but uh, the devil uh, challenged the Lord to uh, remove some of Job's blessings to test him uh, to see what would happen. And the Lord said, okay, the Lord permitted that uh, for our instruction. And uh, we saw Job begin to suffer a loss of blessings. And eventually he began to angrily question God. Now that's sin, of course, to angrily question God. God, why are you allowing this trial or that trial or this trial? That's sin. We understand that. God has purposes for trials, and certainly did in Job's day for Job's trial. Lord graciously responded to Job's angry questioning by pointing Job to different parts of his creation. Basically said, hey, Job, I just want to make sure I got this right. You, you think you know better than I do. Uh, did you make the horse? Did you make this animal? Did you make that animal? By the way, did you make the Leviathan? That big, strong, uh, ocean-going dinosaur that you can't control, but I can. Did you make that? He used uh, these nature poems or, or illustrations of his power from his creation to humble Job and realize that he had no business questioning God, angrily or otherwise, and that he should just humbly repent of that uh, and move on. I want to read just a few verses from Job 41. You can turn there if you want, but you don't need to. Job 41, here's God dealing with Job. Canst thou draw out Leviathan with a hook? Could you catch Leviathan, uh, that, that dragon in the ocean, or his tongue with a cord which thou lettest down? Canst thou put a hook in his nose? Could you capture him, or bars draw through with a thorn? Will he make many supplications unto thee? Will he speak soft words unto thee? Will he make a covenant with thee? Wilt thou take him for a servant? Could you make a servant? Could you tame him and, and, and use him for some purpose? Wilt thou play with him as with a bird? Or wilt thou bind him uh, for thy maidens? Shall, shall the companions make a banquet of him? Shall you catch him and eat him? Uh, shall they part him among the merchants? Canst thou... Uh, fill his skin with barbed irons or his head with fish spears. 
Lay thy hand upon him. Remember the battle. Do no more. Behold, the hope of him is in vain. Shall not one be cast down even at the sight of him? None is so fierce that dare stir him up. Who then is able to stand before me? God wanted Job to see the immense power of this giant creature and understand that God is God and we are not. We are not. And so I believe this is the creature to whom the Lord is likely referring to uh, here in Psalm 148, verse 7. The dragons and all the deep where they live, the oceans, the vastness, the fact that they teem with life uh, from the most minute life to the giant uh, whales and sharks and the dinosaurs of days gone by, the Leviathan, uh, these things testify to the praiseworthiness of God. Their existence honors and glorifies him. We move on now, verse 8. Um, the things of the earth are to be um, giving praise to God. It's, it's poetry, but you understand. The Lord is to be praised from the earth by the elements of weather. Verse 8, fire and hail, snow and vapor, stormy wind, fulfilling his word. All of God's creation, the systems of nature, bring him praise, honor, and glory. They exist in part to testify to whom he is, a God so worthy of praise. In Psalm 147, last Sunday night, we saw that God is to be praised for he giveth snow like wool. Now here tonight, we see the snow is poetically commanded to praise him. We're to praise God for all the various elements and systems of nature that provide for us and are so beautiful at times, but God also wants them to exist in part to bear witness to his honor and glory and praiseworthiness. We understand, we saw last week, God is not impressed by his ability to create but he does nonetheless desire that all of his creation bear witness to his praiseworthiness. He desires praise. Verse 9, we see the mountains and the hills and the trees. He says poetically in verse 9, mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars. They exist to bring praise to him. God, of course, created the trees. Genesis 1 and verse 11, if you still have your finger there, Genesis 1 and verse 11 God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. God spoke, and those things came into existence. His words are powerful. His words are powerful. Thank God that we have 66 books filled with his words, and the, the Every one of them having the same power. They do not, they, they are quick, they are powerful, and they do not return void. Uh, God desires that the animals and the birds uh, exist to bring him praise, and that they, he, he commands them poetically to praise him, and they do. The fact that animals and birds exist. Uh, verse 10, beasts and all the cattle, creeping things, uh, and flying fowl. Uh, flip back to Genesis 1 and verse 25. God made these things. Genesis 1 and verse 25, God made the beast of the earth after his kind and the cattle after their kind, 
uh, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. God saw that it was good. Yeah, because he made it. Look at uh, Genesis 1 and verse 20. You're still there. Uh, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 20. God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly. I think we saw this. Uh, the moving creatures that hath life and the fowl, the birds, uh, that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. Stop and think for a moment what a wondrous thing a bird is. Uh, the fact that a, a little tiny thing or a great big bird, uh, can, they can fly. That's an extraordinary thing. Uh, the Wright brothers studied birds to understand how they could engineer a plane that could also fly. Uh, they studied how the birds would uh, curve their wings uh, from one position to another to land. They studied the process by which they took flight and how they landed. And they, they began to incorporate God's design into their own design. I don't know if the Wright brothers had a testimony of understanding they were studying the design of God, but certainly that's what they did. That, that is what they did. Um, they borrowed from the Lord's design in nature, a design in nature that is truly wondrous and does bring him honor and glory. And quickly, let's see the, the remaining part of the verse here. As I've said several times, uh, we, we know this, um, people are the capstone of God's creation. And the ones who are, the only ones who are created in his image, the only ones who are able to speak and have a relationship with him um, through the cross. Christ came as a man. He did not come as anything else. He came as a man to save men who are created in the image of God to make possible a wonderful relationship with the Lord himself. And he desires that in return we praise him. We praise him. Um, this passage is wonderful in that uh, it's so universal. Uh, we'll see here that people are to be involved in, or to be in the business of praising God no matter their station in life, their position, uh, no matter their gender. And the Bible only offers two genders, male and female. Gender is not continuous or on a continuum, and you get to pick kind of where you land on that continuum. God created us male and female. That's not intended to be unloving or hateful. That's simply intended to, to be a, a communication of Bible truth. There's no other possibility scripturally. Uh, so God will see here the Lord intends us to be in the business of praising him, whether we're male or female, and whether we're young or old. No matter your place in life, no matter your gender, no matter your age, God wants us to be in the business of praising him. We see this here. Look at verse 11. Kings of the earth and all people, princes and all judges of the earth, no matter what your station, no matter your place, no matter your position, all of us are to be in the business of praising God, whether you have a lot of earthly authority or virtually none. You're, you're, not, you're not to say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm here in this, you know, unfortunate circumstance. I'll not praise God because of that. God says, no, no, you're mine. Praise, praise me. Praise me. Find, find other reasons to praise me. You can't praise me for your lowly position in an earthly sense. Uh, praise me just for who I am. Praise me for the beauty of creation. Praise me for uh, sending my only begotten son to save you. 
Don't let one area with which you struggle to be an excuse not to be in the business of praising God. May I say that again? Because I believe that's incredibly important. You can easily find something to be mad at God about. You can easily find something to be mad at God about and to use that thing as an excuse to stray from him, to not exercise love toward him in the form of obedience, to stop serving him, to stop being in church, stop praising him and bring him honor and glory. I want to challenge you tonight to re-examine that thing if there is once any such thing in your life and to consider if God has allowed some difficulty it's consistent with his love and his grace and his mercy and the biblical truth that he works through things like that to grow us and that that's actually a loving and gracious thing even if you can't get there Please find something else that you could praise God for and praise him. This is his desire. Verse 12, both young men and maidens, old men and children, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter your gender, your age, he's to be praised. There's three reasons given here and we're done. His name, alone, his name alone is excellent. His name alone is excellent. You know who's truly excellent? The Lord. The rest of us are so marred by sin. Verse 13 says, let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is excellent. There's no one else worthy of praise like God is worthy of praise. You can find someone else that you like. You could find someone else that's a pretty good person, maybe. You, you could find somebody else who's pretty impressive. They have abilities, talents. They have accomplishments. Don't forget, please, that God created them and gave them their talents and their abilities that enabled their accomplishments. No one else is anywhere near the praiseworthiness of the Lord, our creator. His name alone is excellent. Please don't forget that. We're, we're, we're a, a society and a world that is so caught up in, uh, in idol worship, uh, not, not wooden or stone idols today, but people. We, we set people up on pedestals. We, we get enamored with celebrities and musicians and uh, people like Oprah, who are, who are just plain wicked. Uh, I'm sorry, but the, the philosophy and the doctrine that she teaches is just plain wicked. Uh, and, and so many in the media that we have no business listening to at all. Uh, instead, we allow ourselves to get enamored with these people. Uh, they distract us from the Lord and bringing praise and honor and glory to him. And of course, the devil is delighted. The devil is delighted when he's able to distract us. When we make people like gods in our lives. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is excellent. Lord, thank you that you're, you are truly excellent in every way. We're to praise him from his, for his glory, which is greater than that of the earth and the heaven. Verse 13, next part of verse 13. His glory is above the earth and heaven. Um, his glory is greater than that 
of his creation. His glory is, is, is greater than that which we can see in the heavens. Just stop and think about what you know about God's glory. Uh, Paul had the privilege to see the glory of the resurrected Christ on that road where he was saved. Uh, bright light, magnificently bright, pure light. Uh, it, it had a spiritual effect, but also had a physical effect. What did it do to him physically, Zach? It blinded him, right? Temporarily blinded him. The glory of God, so bright that it blinded him. Um, Moses, who had the privilege upon the mount to glimpse the Lord from behind, um, that's all he could take. And he shone with the glory of God after that for a time. We, we can really only begin to comprehend the glory of God. Uh, he's to be praised for that. He's not like anyone or anything else. He is our glorious creator. His name alone is excellent. And, and he is a God who graciously blesses us. He blesses us with blessings that we do not deserve. Stop and think about that. We get annoyed with people who do the littlest, tiniest little wrongs in our eyes. We get annoyed with people because they don't do things the way that we want them to do things. And so we withhold from them. We stop giving ourselves to them. We get annoyed uh, and we stop doing for them. Now, now imagine that you're God. Imagine that you're God. You're absolutely perfect. Your name alone is excellent. You're the glorious creator of all things. You're absolutely perfectly righteous and holy. In fact, you define that standard. Uh, imagine, imagine how it might be tempting <laughs> for the Lord to stop blessing us for the simplest little thing. He's so gracious. He's so gracious. Despite our sinfulness, despite our disobedience, he blesses us so abundantly. I understand there's a principle of blessings being withheld when we willfully sin and blessings being heaped upon us as we choose to obey. But even in our greatest obedience, we're still sinners. Our best, our best is but filthy rags. That's still true. It's still true. Even at our best, we remain sinful. I understand the Lord's, the blood of Christ covers our sin, and we have a, a new position of righteousness, but practically speaking, we're still terribly sinful. And yet God graciously blesses us. He's to be praised for that. Let me tell you about my God who blesses me, who provides for me, uh, who gives me strength and all the things that I need despite how profoundly unworthy I am. Tell someone about that. Your God who provides for you faithfully despite how profoundly unworthy we are. Now see verse 14, his blessings. He gives strength. The Bible says here, he also exalteth the horn of his people. He strengthens us. This morning we talked all about the necessity, our absolute necessity of the filling of the Holy Spirit 
the strengthening of the Spirit of God that we need in order to live according to His Word in the various spheres of our lives, marriage and family, uh, workplace relationships, and so forth. We need that. We absolutely need that to live the, the life that God intends, to live a life that works, uh, one that He can... Uh, one that pleases him, one that he can bless even beyond, uh, even beyond the blessings in view here. He gives us that strength. His grace is so abundantly given to us. Lord, help us to just yield to you and know your strength. He exalted the horn of his people. Next phrase says that he, he exalted the, the, the praise of all his saints. The praise of all his saints. And one man said, Dr. Sorensen, in fact, said, this has the idea of amplifying the praise of his people. He exalts the horn of his people. He exalts also the praise of all of his saints. That's a, that's a profound idea. Um, we praise God not nearly as well as we should. But God is able to supernaturally amplify our praise. I don't fully understand that, Brother Ray. I don't think I even begin to understand that very well. But I accept it as truth. God exalteth. He amplifies the praise of his people. And he's able to do that supernaturally. And maybe we'll study that idea again uh, another time. Of course, he helps his people in every way. Last part of verse 14 says, even of the children of Israel, a people near unto him. He helps his people. Today that includes us. We've been grafted in. Praise God. Praise God. And so the heavens above are commanded to praise him. The angels can do that literally. The rest of his creation does that by nature of its existence brings praise, honor, and glory to God, and everything below from the earth on up, most certainly including us, command to praise him. Is he worthy of our praise? He absolutely is. And so tonight I want to close with a prayer of praise. Thank God for who he is and what he's like and his many blessings. And I just want to encourage you once again tonight, make it your business to praise God in your personal prayer and worship, in your corporate prayer and worship, uh, to your spouse, to your children, dads, happy Father's Day again, to your employer, if you can, to fellow employees, to neighbors, to people around you. Praise God. Praise Him. That'll encourage the believer, and that may just be used of God to create a door, an open door to share the gospel. Tell me about this God that you can't stop talking about. Tell me about this Jesus of the Bible that you can't stop talking about and praising. Tell me more about that. Father, I thank you tonight for who you are. Lord, I thank you tonight that the sun and the moon and the stars and the dragons and the deep and, and the weather and the mountains and the hills and the trees and the animals and the birds and Everything that you've created does bring honor and glory to you. It testifies, all of these things testify to the endless authority and power that you have. 
Lord, I pray tonight that we would be encouraged by that. And I pray tonight that we would be encouraged to give you the praise and honor and glory that you deserve. Lord, we're here to please you. And I understand tonight that one of the most important ways we can do that is by being obedient, being yielded to praise you in prayer, privately and corporately, and to whomever will listen to bring you honor and glory with our mouths. Lord, help us to repent of far too little praise in our lives. Help us to yield ourselves to you and to find this filling of the Spirit, the strengthening of the Spirit of God who indwells us to take up a life of greater praisefulness. We've seen your praiseworthiness. Help us now, Lord, to submit ourselves, to yield ourselves, to know your strength and grace to respond with a greater praisefulness. Lord, I know that'll be a great blessing to you. And it'll lift our spirits as well. We have a God who is so very worthy of praise. Lord, thank you for being that God. Father, thank you for my salvation. Thank you for our church. Thank you for the ability to spend a few minutes with brothers and sisters in Christ today, encouraging them and being encouraged by them. Lord, I pray for those who can't yet be here with us. I pray for Carolyn tonight. I pray for Rhonda, Rhonda S. tonight. Lord, have your hand upon these ladies. Strengthen them. Encourage them. Father, help them to find reasons to praise you tonight, even though they cannot yet be back in church. Of course, we found many reasons tonight. Lord, I pray these ladies will be encouraged. Father, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being with us tonight. Zach has a closing song. He'll come and lead us in uh, springs of living water, uh, springs of living water, and uh, he'll close us in prayer. We'll be dismissed. Please be reminded that on Wednesday night, we'll be here in the church. The church will be open. We invite you to join us. Uh, leave the decision in, in your hands at this point, but I uh, invite you and encourage you to be here if it's safe for you to be here. Pray. Uh, God, give me wisdom in that decision. Uh, you pray and be here if, if God will give you peace about that. And I look forward to seeing you Wednesday night. All right, have a blessed evening. All right, let's turn to the last page in our packets, and you'll find there number 644, Springs of Living Water, all three verses. We'll sing of 644, Springs of Living Water. in the barren land of sin and shame and nothing satisfying there I found but to the blessed cross of Christ one day I came where springs of living water did abound 
Drinking at the springs of living water Happy now am I, my soul they satisfy Drinking at the springs of living water Oh, wonderful and bountiful supply How sweet the living water from the hills of God It makes me glad and happy all the way Now glory, grace, and blessing mark the path I've trod I'm shouting hallelujah all the way Drinking at the springs of living water Happy now am I, my soul they satisfy Drinking at the springs of living water Oh, wonderful and bountiful supply And the last, oh sinner, won't you come today to Calvary A fountain there is flowing deep and wide the Savior now invites you to the water free, where thirsting spirits can be satisfied. Drinking at the springs of living water, happy now am I, my soul they satisfy. Drinking at the springs of living water, oh wonderful and bountiful supply. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for giving us a good Father's Day, and I pray that you would help us to have a good rest of our evening, wake up refreshed, renewed, ready to serve you tomorrow. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.